Sports. Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Green Bay Packers. This is the Packers Wire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Packers Wire editor, Zach Cruz. Okay, Zach, this week it's like, what the hell do we know, right? The Packers beat the crap out of the 49ers. They're JV squad, 34-17. And I got to give you props because you kind of gave yourself some crap on Twitter, right? You actually picked the 49ers, and I got to give myself some crap too because I bet on the 49ers at uh, plus six and a half. So we're both eating crow a little bit this week. Yeah, I probably owe you an apology because I think <laughs> I, I I can convince you to take the 49ers in that game. You did. I, I was so sure of it. Yeah, I was kind of too. You know, I think I was still a little shell shocked after those two games in San Francisco last year. And I definitely let my fear of Kyle Shanahan over, you know, overshadow some common sense there because, you know, 49ers are just overmatched in every way. I think we saw that early and, you know, really, really because the 49ers are missing a bunch of players. I'm not sure we really learned much about this Packers team. So I, I think we know they're good, but we still don't know how good they are. And we didn't get a chance to see them against a good 49ers team. So do we learn anything? I think I feel like the defense yeah. had another good day. I mean, they really held down that run game. I mean, I know it was, you know, Jamichael Hasty and some of these guys that were, uh, you know, nobody's ever heard of from the 49ers and the good thing is that the Packers didn't let those guys destroy them so that was I guess right. that's a positive yeah I, I think the only way we were going to learn something from that game is if the Packers really struggled or you know the 49ers ran all over them but you know they just took care of business against a team that was really undermanned so really I, I don't think I can take anything you know good or bad out of that game they just need you know they went in there took care of business and you know that's that's about it we can yeah, they're just they're just kind of rolling along, right? They're atop the division. The Bears, as we kind of thought, they kind of suck, right? They're falling, they're falling right. off. They were five and one. Now the the Packers have a two game lead in the loss column atop the Bears. And I saw that post you made on the Packers wire. They now have an eighty one percent chance of winning the division, and what is it like a ninety six percent chance of making the playoffs? So yeah. it's like I don't know if you ever seen the show Shameless. Every time something, re- everything's great, everything's rolling around just perfect. You're almost waiting for something bad to happen. <laughs> so I, I hope not. Nothing bad's happening to the Packers because it just seems like they're just rolling right along right now, like kind of whistling and, you know, just enjoying themselves. Yeah, I mean, they still got to play the Bears tw- twice, you know, and they, they got to go to Chicago for that week 17 game. So I'm not going to say they're they're guaranteed to win this division because they, they still got a little ways to go, even though the, the schedule is pretty manageable, the final eight games. But like you said, yeah, there's, there's always there's always little trip ups that come up during the season. You know, they, they've managed a few injuries but you know they haven't had anything too significant happen so yeah this is a this is a good team at six and two but they got a lot of work to do yet one thing that was kind of interesting that came out of Rodgers' presser this week and is really a guy that I don't think has gotten enough credit. I think he's kind of been working in the shadows as offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett. He's only been with the Packers for two years, right? He came in with LaFleur. But I think when we give the Packers credit, Zach, for how dominant they've been and, and the numbers across the board are just out of control. I, I think statistically Rodgers is playing about as well as he did in that Super Bowl season in 2011, right? I mean, it's just ridiculous right. what they're doing. But Hackett, it's a, he's an interesting guy and Rodgers clearly loves him. Just heaping all kinds of love on him in his presser even kind of joked like if Hackett goes anywhere else I want to go with him you know kind of joking and I'm sure Packers fans didn't find that very funny but tell me a little bit about this guy tell me a little bit about Hackett and what he's brought to the table and how much credit he actually does deserve yeah I think Rodgers and LaFleur are getting a ton of credit for this offense but I don't think Nathaniel Hackett should get overlooked you know even if he's not the play caller I think you know Rodgers talked a bunch especially this offseason about how him LaFleur Hackett and their quarterbacks coach Luke Getze how how close they work together to you know they kind of rebuilt this offseason 
offense. You know, they worked through some of the imperfections they they struggled with last year, and they really kind of built it into what it is today. So I, I think Hackett's done a good job. He's he's more of he has more of a West Coast background, and I think he's done a good job of helping you know Rogers and Lafleur kind of blend their two systems that they've been working with over their career. And he's already been rumored as a you know potential head coach candidate. Yeah. Uh, I think the Falcons' job was already connected to him at some point over the last couple of weeks. So yeah, I think a lot of teams are going to look at how you know he's worked with Lafleur and Rogers, and you know see a guy who could maybe do something similar, especially if there's a veteran quarterback in place for the team. So yeah, I think teams are going to want to play caller from this system of offense. You know, it's it's kind of a proven system now. You got you know Shanahan, McVay, and Lafleur all doing good things with it. So oh, no doubt. Yeah, if the Packers go deep in the playoffs again and this offense keeps humming, I think you know Hackett's name is going to get brought up plenty with you know some of these head coaching openings. All right, people will finally start hearing of uh, of Hackett. Right, that means you're doing a good job. Definitely. When no one knows who the hell you are, like nobody know. Everyone's it's, like, no, the floor is the offensive coordinator. That's not the case in Green Bay. Right. Exactly. Another guy that's just having a, a spectacular season is Devontae Adams, and you wouldn't even know statistically that he's missed a couple games, Zach. And one of our first podcast episodes, I actually had Corey Bonini from the Huddle.com from USA Today, and we were talking about fantasy guys, and I actually threw it out there. I'm like, what do you think about Devontae Adams putting up Michael Thomas type of numbers? Like, what do you think about him having 150 catches, 1,500 yards, and like more than 15 touchdowns? And he kind of laughed. He's like, yeah, I don't, I don't think you can expect that, but that's literally the guy that Adams is, right? And if he wasn't hurt, right. then he'd probably be on pace for that stuff. We almost expected him to take a jump this year, but when he's healthy and he's rolling, like he's like almost uncoverable. I think he's, I think you wrote about him now being the best receiver in the game, right? And, and his stats are trending that way. He passes the eye test too. Yeah, after that Thursday night game, you know, one of the beat reporters asked him if he thought he was the best receiver in the NFL and, you know, Devontae said yes, but the more I dug into the stats and the analytics on him, the, you know, the more it came clear that he, you know, he probably has been the best receiver in the, in the league this year. You know, just his last three games you look at, he's got 30 catches and six touchdowns. So it, it's, it's been crazy. Like you said, if he, if he didn't miss, you know, he's missed two and a half games this year, but if he would have played in those games, he probably would be on pace for, you know, close to 150 catches, 1,800 yards, over 20 touchdowns, probably. So, yeah, Adams is having a great season. You know, he's got three games with 10 catches and over 150 yards. So, yeah, I think there's a great statistical case that he's been the best receiver in the NFL this year. People in Tampa Bay, Zach, they already have Mike Evans in the Hall of Fame. And it's like, for me, I, for me, I'm like, huh? Like, is it the Fantasy Football Hall of Fame, right? I, and if you argue with people about that, they get real, real sensitive. They really think Mike Evans is a Hall of Famer. For me, if, like, if Mike Evans is a Hall of Famer than Devontae Adams like better to get fitted for the jacket. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, Devontae, his career trajectory, if you look at it, he's only 27 years old. And, you know, I, I'd say the Packers are probably going to end up extending his contract probably at you know, some point this offseason to free up some money. He's going to be playing with Rodgers for probably a couple more seasons and then maybe get another t- talented quarterback in there and Jordan Love. So I don't know about Mike Evans as a Hall of Famer. I'd have to look at his stats a little closer. But yeah. I think I think all Hall of Fame players, they need, they need this incredible peak of production. They also need, like, extended years of really good production. And I think Devontae's trending in the right direction in both of those those categories. I, honestly, I think he could be a 100-catch receiver for the next three, four years at least. Yeah, in, in Evans's case, you got to play in at least one playoff game, Zach. So hopefully the Bucs can get that their That would crap. help, yeah. yeah. So if the Bucs can get their <laughs> crap together and finally get in the playoffs, maybe maybe he can have a case. I don't know. but right. So the Packers are in the number three spot in the NFC right now, but they're actually got the highest percentage chance to be the number one seed. So let's talk about that in their playoff positioning. We'll do that coming up next. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. 
Sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends at a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from thehuddle.com. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com, here to talk to you about strong plays for Week 10 of the fantasy football season. This one might be a no-brainer, but coming off of his bye, Jared Goff versus the Seattle Seahawks. Just about everybody is a must-start against Seattle's defense. Even if you remove five rushing touchdowns against Seattle by quarterbacks, no team has given up more than the 372.5 yards per game allowed by this team. The blueprint is clear on how to beat Seattle. Pass and pass a lot. Washington running back J.D. McKissick goes to the Detroit Lions, his former employer from the 2019 season. He knows the defense well and has practiced against it extensively. McKissick benefits from Alex Smith taking over for Kyle Allen as the quarterback in Washington. It's no fluke that he played so well in the last couple games, and he faces a defense that has given up the most yards per game to the position via the pass. Look for another double-digit day in PPR scoring for McKissick. Going back to the Seattle-Los Angeles matchup, David Moore of the Seahawks, it's hard to get away from him. The level of defensive scrutiny paid towards DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett has more finding the end zone with surprising regularity. He has scored consecutive games and has four touchdowns in the last five outings. The only problem is when he's bad, he's so bad that he shouldn't even be anywhere near a fantasy lineup. That said, with all of the attention paid to the star receivers around him, Moore is worth playing in fantasy football action in Week 10. Another guy with an inconsistent target share is Titan Trey Burton of the Indianapolis Colts. He faces the Tennessee Titans, a defense that has given up five touchdowns to the position in eight games, including two over the last four weeks. In the recent window, three guys have posted at least 11 PPR points, and all three of those guys had six pass receptions. Even if he doesn't find the end zone, there's a pretty good chance that he's relevant in fantasy. Gamers could do worse, especially if they've lost somebody like Zach Ertz or George Kittle to injury. For more fantasy football news, tips, and advice, be sure to check out thehuddle.com. So this is interesting, Zach. I saw this on the Packers Wire. Uh, per 538.com, they got all these analytics and rankings and stuff. The Packers have a 31% chance, best in the NFL, of being the top team in the NFC, which is obviously where you want to be. The, in the NFC, you either want to be number one or number five, I think, because number five gets to play that NFC East team, right? So what exactly happened over the weekend to help the Packers' odds, and, and why do you think they're in the driver's seat now to be the top seed, even though the Seahawks and Saints are technically ahead of them right now? Week nine really was a great week for the them. You know, they, they beat the 49ers, pretty much put their season on life support. Uh, Seahawks lost, Bucks lost, Bears lost. And then, you know, the, the Saints had a great game against the Bucks, and they're, I believe they're the number one seed now. But, you know, Packers have a head-to-head win over them, too. So the schedule, uh, maybe we'll talk about it later, but that schedule is pretty manageable for them. And, sure. you know, obviously every week is a new matchup, and they're going to have to they have to play some tricky games in there. But you really feel like if they can, you know, take care of business at home, you know, they got a couple road games inside the division that they're going to be favored in, I would assume. You know, they, they really could coast to the NFC North title and be in a position to win you know, 12 or 13 games. So, Like you said, I mean, we've talked about this, I think, several weeks now, but that, that number one seed is sure important in the NFC this year. So they definitely have a great opportunity in front of them to get through a manageable schedule the rest of the way, win 12 or 13 games, and be that number one seed. And just when you thought the Saints were going to kind of fade away a little bit, you know, they're kind of just below the radar for where we thought they would yeah. be. There they are back on top, right? And they just destroyed right. the Bucks, And they, did, they definitely did the Packers a favor there. And you feel like the Seahawks are going to fall off a little bit because their defense blows. So, yeah, it just it does feel like it's shaping up for the Packers. I want to get your take on this, though. Yeah, they are going to play the Bears twice. And I don't think the Bears are a good football team by any means. But if the Packers don't end up in that number one spot, they end up like number two and the Bears are number seven. Like playing the Bears three times in like a matter of a few weeks, right? Like a matter of a couple months. 
that's a little weird. Like, that'd be hard for the yeah. Packers to beat them three times. So, I don't know. I think Bears fans wouldn't love playing the Packers because I think their history doesn't, you know, isn't so great against Green Bay. But for the right. Packers, I'd be like, man, if they see the Bears in round one, that'd be kind of annoying. I don't think, you know, division games, they go into the playoffs. Those are tricky games because you're yeah. you, obviously, like you said, you're playing a team for the third time. You know each other really well. And I, I think the Bears would be a pesky opponent because they, you know, they might not have a great offense, but they have a great defense. And, you know, that could travel into bad weather and can go on the road. So, yeah, I don't think maybe the Bears would be uh, a, a team the Packers want to play in that first round. They, they just want to get that first weekend off and, yeah, you exactly. know, see how, the, see how the cards fall. Yeah, no, that's that's where you want to be. And I think if the defense can, like we said, we don't we can't give them too much credit for Thursday night because I don't know what they were playing there. But they did put a ton of pressure on Mullins, right? Uh, 41.7% of his dropbacks, the Packers had pressure on him. And is that just the guys getting home or is that something that they dialed up? Yeah, it was most see just guys getting home. They, the 49ers left tackle really had a hard night against Preston Smith and Zedari Smith. Preston beat him pretty easily for a pressure that caused that um, interception that turned the game. And then, you know, Zedari's had a strip sack that he also recovered. So really the pass rush is going to be the make or break factor for this defense. We, you know, we know they can be pretty good when the pass rush shows up. So they, they really count on the pass rush to change games, you know, set the tone. So of all the things that I'm going to be watching over the final eight games, it's, it's really going to be, you know, the pass rush near the top of a, of a point of emphasis, you know, as they approach these final eight games and start preparing for a playoff run. Because if they can't rush the quarterback, I don't see how this team is a, a title contender. As we get ready for our third segment, I'm going to give Zach a minute to figure out how he's going to talk up this next Packers opponent, right? I'm going to see how you can <laughs> how, how you figure out a path for the Jaguars to be uh, to be competitive in this game, Zach. All right, we'll do that coming up next. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm joined by Jeff Clark, as always, to break down all you need to know to bet on the Week 10 Monday night football game between the Minnesota Vikings and Chicago Bears. The Vikings are two-and-a-half-point road favorites, minus 115 odds. Bears minus 106 to cover plus 2.5 at home. Over-under of 44-and-a-half, minus 110 odds on either side of that. Jeff, Vikings coming off a couple of great performances. Are they back on track? And the Chicago Bears, can they bounce back from an ugly loss against the Tennessee Titans last week? Oh, I think they're going to bounce back. This is a great spot for the Bears, getting points at home. Kirk Cousins is 0-3 straight up and against the spread versus Chicago since joining the Minnesota Vikings. And they've done a really good job bottling up Dalvin Cook. He's played against the Bears uh, in three games. He's got 47 touches with 140 total yards and one touchdown in those three games. And Kirk Cousins, we all know how he struggles in Monday Night Football. Um, he's got an 0-9 record in Monday Night Football. Give him the Bears plus points. I'm on the Vikings. They're back to 3-5 and five on the year. A couple of big divisional wins against Green Bay Packers and Detroit Lions last two weeks. They make it three in a row. Dalvin Cook is right there in the MVP race. Vikings minus two and a half. They win by three. Subscribe to Bet Slippin' Podcast on your favorite app. Please be sure to rate and review. All right, Zach. So the line came out. The Packers are favored by 14 against these Jaguars at home, right? And uh, so are you, what do you think about that line? Are you going to talk me into the Jags this week? 
I am not going to talk you into the Jaguars this week. You know, they're going to be starting a rookie quarterback, Jake Lutton, again. They got the 31st ranked scoring defense. I don't think they can pressure the quarterback or stop the run. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they scored some points on this Packers defense. But, you know, this is absolutely a game the Packers should cruise to a win. I, I think they're going to score 35 or more and, you know, probably cruise to a win. So, yeah. no, I'm not, I'm not going to be talking up the Jaguars or predicting them to, to win this week. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to call the, the schedule boring or anything, right? But this is kind of how it's setting up. Like the, the Packers are either like getting smacked by an opponent or just destroying yeah. someone, right? And this is this Jags team, I thought coming into the year that they were going to suck. And then they upset the Colts in week one. Remember that? And that was just kind of, yeah. whoa, like what's going on? And maybe Minshew's got something going on, but now he's hurt. They sold some pieces, you know, Leonard Fournette's now in Tampa Bay. And it just doesn't even see, it seems like the Jags are kind of playing for 2021, like a few teams, yeah. you know, like the New York Jets and some of these other teams out there. They're, they're definitely like playing for the future. They've been competitive in some games. You know, they had a chance to tie that game up with the Texans last week, but they've, they've also lost seven straight games. So yeah, there, there's not a whole lot going on for this Jags team right now. So you, so you think this is a cover for the Packers? Yes, I do. I, I you know, 14 points is a little scary in any any matchup between NFL teams, but you know, I think the Packers are going to score a lot of points, and 14 shouldn't be too hard for them to clear against that defense. Yeah, the Jags not not super interesting, but I think the road game at the Colts, we probably will have to wait a couple weeks, Zach, to learn something. I think at Colts, the Colts have a good yeah. defense, right? So we'll learn a little bit. They, they might finally get some resistance in a couple weeks. Then they finally play the Bears, uh, a couple more division games, and then a really interesting one against the Titans, too, down the stretch. So, But I think we're waiting a couple weeks now before we can finally learn anything. We didn't learn anything on Thursday, like we said. I don't think we're learning anything this week. But next week against the Colts, I kind of like that. Yeah, I, I like that Colts game. I think... You know, the the Eagles played them pretty well last year, but that's a that's a pretty banged up team. I think the Panthers, you know, they, they surprised the Chiefs a little bit last week, but you know, I don't know if they have enough. That that Titans game is is gonna be one to circle on, on the yeah. schedule. I think, you know, they they look like a true contender. That's probably the only true contender left on the schedule. I mean, it's, it's a pretty it's a pretty bland schedule the final eight games. So, you know, Packers have a great opportunity to, you know, win six or seven of these games and be in a really good position going into January. The only team that's firmly in the playoff picture right now is the freaking eagles and and that's because of default yeah, yeah no it's a good point this is why 538.com is is projecting them to be the number one seed and man they just take care of business they're gonna they're gonna be there so well zach always appreciate the analysis my man have a great week all right yeah you too ryan thanks this usa today sports podcast has been presented by usa today's sports media group and is available in your favorite podcast store make sure to subscribe for weekly updates the latest fantasy picks from Corey bonini and the huddle podcast inside the weekly line with sportsbook wires jeff clark and Eston mclaren and the bet slipping podcast we'll see you again next week